0: This is CliffCentral.com Future CEOs on CliffCentral.com Welcome to Future CEOs here on Cliff Central. My name is Gareth Armstrong. It's great to be with you. And we have another <laughs> jam-packed line up this week for you. Some great interviews with some great entrepreneurs. Some great interesting individuals who are also doing some fascinating work in the the and d space, learning and development space. We will get to all of that in just a moment. Let me ask the question that we have to ask you week in, week in and week out, especially to those of you who have not heard the show before. Are you a future CEO? If you say, yes, I am a future CEO, if, if you're that person that is sitting in that corner office and you are... Anxiously, or, or rather, you're looking at the corner office, maybe sitting in a cubicle, and you're saying, and you're anxious about getting there as quickly as possible. That's what we try to help you do here on the show. We want to expedite the growth of your career and your business. Welcome. Welcome. If you haven't uh, heard this conversation before, you're, gonna, you're in for a good one. Uh, James, is that right? You're smiling to yourself. Uh, no pressure. No. Uh, welcome to the Cliff Central studio and to future CEOs.
1: Thanks, Gareth. Great to be here.
0: Okay, so as we always do, we hand over to our guests in studio to introduce themselves. Some people—it's just interesting to see where people start and how they introduce themselves. Do you? You're an entrepreneur, so you must have a thirty-second pitch for your business and for yourself. Yes, i I have any
1: number of different uh, pitches of of length and character, but um, just very, very briefly. um, My name is James Steer. I'm the co-founder of Eye Water, and. passionate entrepreneur, uh, which I suppose also makes me a bit crazy Mm -hmm. in some ways. Um, But we've started a business that's trying to completely transform the drinking water industry. Uh, We think there is a business opportunity to really make a huge social change uh, and improvement in this critical area uh, around the world.
0: So I'm going to jump in right on that, and I'm going to challenge you, if I may. Please. Uh, I, I know we said off air that we wouldn't do too much of that, but this is just a conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, some people hide behind this idea of social uh, social innovation, social something, um, and, and masquerade as a social entrepreneur, when actually they're not really. They're just an ordinary entrepreneur trying to take advantage of a, a gap that they've seen in the market. Are you a true social entrepreneur? Do you believe it in your bones? Is, is that what this is really all about? about
1: um i'm going to challenge you right back actually (laughs) Um, which is that that's i think your your assumption there is that there's a trade-off um that in order to be a social entrepreneur there's some give on the pure profit motive Mm. from business and that's what i challenge because there isn't necessarily Mm. um what we've identified is a gap in the market that enables us to do both Mm. um so if you imagine that there are around two billion people around the world that still drink unsafe water that's a staggering number of people.
0: It's a, it's a shocking and a, alarming. Uh, absolutely, of, in absolutely.
1: every sense. Um, and and to date, the business response to that has been inadequate. The fact that that still exists as as a challenger in the world is, is a problem. But mm. So we've looked at this and we've said, okay, this is either something that we wait for government to fix or there's a role for business to play in solving it. So we we look at this as a two-billion-person market in the world that we can reach – Uh, And if we do good business and we offer a really valuable solution, we can achieve both of those things at the same time, run a really good business and solve this huge social challenge. So there isn't, I don't believe, I think the true social entrepreneur is someone who's not doing this just because they are sort of a nice person or they Mm. have a nice intent, Mm. but it's running a sustainable, profitable business that is solving a social challenge in a good way.
0: Thank you for challenging me right back. (laughs) And, And that was so very, very well put. I think too often, as you say, we get caught in this fluffy idea where then the, the byproduct is profit. But actually, there has to be a very healthy balance because sustainability, I think, is the watchword there. Uh, are you finding the sustainability journey as you have been growing your business, uh, is it working out for you? I mean, is it a challenge? We, we must talk some of your challenges throughout this conversation
1: look starting a business i mean you you've had a number of guests on in the past who've shared how tough it is mm-hmm. it is it is no joke and it is not for sissies this this starting a business game um the i think starting a social entrepreneurial venture in particular is even tougher because quite often the challenges you're, you're tackling by virtue of their being there on such a big scale mean that, that in some ways we have to create new industries, not just new businesses that are, that are you know, disrupting one area, of a, mm. to use that terrible word, but, but you know, one part of an industry. You almost have to rethink the entire thing. Um, these are legacy challenges that have gone on for decades and are getting worse, in our case, drinking water. So the challenges are real. They, they are as tough as any other entrepreneur or startup will, will tell you. But because of these wicked problems that we're tackling, I think they are even more complicated. And quite often, in our case, we have quite a novel business model that we we work. And Mm. and that makes explaining it to potential investors quite tricky. It means the conversation with strategic partners is longer and a bit more complicated. Um, But, yeah, it is really, really hard going. But in terms of sustainability, look, that's the business opportunity. Um, So we're getting there. You know, we're we're still a young business. Uh, We take the business side of what we do very seriously. Um, there's no point in, in having a great idea and watching it fizzle out. Sure. So we're doing a lot of the hard work early on to make sure this is a sustainable platform we can build on.
0: I, I really do wish that more entrepreneurs would not just see the opportunity but exactly the, see the, the end, see the sustainability, see uh, look at an opportunity very carefully and see what kind of real, real opportunity it is. And mm. I think you, you've done that. Um, I, I certainly do see some of the challenges that you're talking about, as you were as you were sharing, and as I've done a little bit of background research, I've looked at it and said this is a staggering um, issue that you're dealing with. But then some of the it's a little wonder that there are so many people that are still without water because it's such a complicated issue as well. Yeah. Before we go there and before we look at the business a little bit more closely, let's look at you a little bit more closely because it's, it's not everyone that can start a business and it's not everyone that can start a social business as well so or socially focused business let's talk a little bit about you, do you want to take us back tell us mm. Tell us where you began to feel the rumblings and the the, the the stuff that is entrepreneurship was it something that you felt early on? Did it, did it bite you a little bit later what, what's your journey i
1: I wish I could say there was a moment when you know light bulb went off, and I, I realized this I, I sort of it was something that I grew into okay. um, but to understand. My story, I need to, weirdly enough, talk about my wife. Um, right. My wife, Kate, who we, we started this business together. Um, and we met at business school um, quite a while ago now uh, in the UK. She's American. Um, we got married and made the rule that, you know, of course, we could never work together. How mm. could that possibly, mm. you know, work out? Mm. Um, and then a couple of years ago, I started sharing this idea with her. I'd been in management consulting and then, you know, moved into into actual, you know, Operational business mm. working for um, a water purification technology company. Oh, okay. Which is so, a background.
0: Yeah, that's a fantastic background yeah. for it. And that's where you saw the opportunity then. Exactly. The breeding uh, the, ground,
1: really. the, It's exactly that. We, I was essentially working for a company distributing a really, really good filter product into the market. And the idea that I came up with was selling a filter product. There's a relatively small market that could ever afford that around mm-hmm. Africa. And typically, mm-hmm those people that can afford that also are in the areas where water isn't that bad to drink. So the idea came to me to say, instead of trying to sell this product, what if we used the product and sold the water? Mm. Um, and as a result, as we sort of modeled the business plan through, we realized that the huge cost benefit, the um, cost saving, in flipping the model upside down like that meant that, that we could completely transform the cost and the price structure of drinking water. So that was the idea, but where, where my wife now comes mm. into this is... Um, she is a, a real business powerhouse. You okay. know, she's got an undergraduate degree from the Wharton School in the in the, yep, in the U.S. Nice. Um, and we're very different people in business. She's an operations, uh, sort of business fundamentals expert. I'm more of a you know running off into the market trying to find the future guy. Mm. Um, and so we came together, and she, from the start, um, took this good idea and was adamant my first pitch ever was to her okay, you know, which yeah, is which it, is great nice. and she was she was tough you know <laughs> um but managed to get her interested, and we developed a business plan around this. And then we both left our jobs. There was this opportunity, a moment in time, where we had to basically decide to go all in or not.
0: Uh, what was the, the, the period of time between the first pitch and then leaving your job? A matter of months. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. We, we had
1: to do it. There was there was some, some issues around securing rights to this technology mm. from the States, these okay. filters. And, okay. and we just had to decide. Um, I mean, you can imagine the stressful times in the household figuring all that out. But yeah. But she from from early on even though she has a very hard you know business focus and operational rigor and that kind of um in, you know intensity to her business thinking has always had uh, a social business angle mm. um she was coo at a large non-profit company for a while in amongst being management consulting and that kind of thing so she Recognized the business opportunity here, but was also adamant that the real, the full scale of the opportunity was unlocked through the social side of it.
0: Thank goodness for our wives, uh, the, the social yeah. conscious of our <laughs> lives, really. Um, and then,
1: you know, we, we having taken that step to both leave, um, there's nothing that galvanizes the mind quite so much as having no safety net. Mm. Um so we cobbled together angel investment and went for it. Um, and
0: I'm, I'm sorry, I need to stop you there. Cobbled together. Mm. I mean, that sounds interesting. An interesting journey in and of itself. But angel investing is a is a difficult thing to be able to secure. Mm. Friends, family, and fools. Is, pretty, that, is that pretty, we, pretty is much, that pretty mean? much. Okay. I, I
1: hope I hope not too many of the uh, the, the the last getting the yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um but it was exactly that. It was you know, I think the the early people who came on and backed us, they they described it as a character investment. We mm. took this business plan to them.
0: It's such, such an important thing you mentioned there, yeah. a character investment. Sorry. Well
1: that no, that's exactly what they said it was. And mm. they, they were backing Kate and myself, mm. um thinking back probably more her than me, but anyway. Mm. Um and 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 that's what it took. To, to get going. And then we sort of went through this this process of um, of developing prototypes and getting them into market, then listening to feedback from the market as much as possible and iterating to a point now where we're ready to kind of grow it out. So that's that's the journey and, and it's been fascinating working with Kate. Um, we are so different and I think that's why it works. Mm. Um, she is very much in charge of the business, um, so you know I work for her, and she's just better at it than I am.
0: I also work for my wife. <laughs> Maybe we in the same business. But <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's enough about those jokes. She's yep. going to listen. And she's going to. Ruin.
1: I'm in trouble. Yep. Yeah. <laughs>
0: uh, but so you do have this complementary relationship, mm. and and I appreciate the fact that you can work together as husband and wife, because I mean, so often entrepreneurs come in here there's business partners and they describe it as a marriage anyway Mm. Um, and so i appreciate the fact that you could uh, bring it a little bit closer to home and and keep it in the family. Quite
1: literally in marriage, yeah. Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> uh, what are the, some of the, the early challenges that you have seen and faced? Uh, I'm, I'm interested to help our, our future CEOs community who are listening to this, not just to see half of the picture, which is often quite rosy, and, and, we, and we describe it as a hard journey, but it, we're not getting into the detail of what that the hardship can sometimes look like. What mm. were some of the challenges that you faced?
1: So I'm, I'm quite often the, the, the front or the face of the business and one of the things that it's still exhausting now is that regardless of how tough it is to run and grow the business internally that whoever you talk to you have to always be positive there's Mm -hmm. only good news from the business and that can be very lonely um there are communities of entrepreneurs that that uh, you know we are part of and we we interact with, and they share this. Um, it's a, it can be a very lonely journey. So and that what you described there, you know, it's it's always rosy and it's always going well. Mm. Uh, the tough reality is when no one's looking, there's a lot of self doubt. You you really question. Um, I mean, in our case, our concentration risk is extreme. We are both in this this company together. Our mm. life savings are invested, mm. um, and so those real personal elements to starting and growing a business, I think, are often hidden behind the, the market face of what you see in front of you right now, mm. for instance.
0: Tell, tell, us, tell us about a point. Tell us about a low point. I mean, was there a moment where you looked over at your wife and you said, whoa, babe, we're, yeah. we're, we're, <laughs> what, what are we doing here?
1: Well, first of all, we won't boss. So in my case, <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, we, we've had them, you know, throughout. Early on, uh, we had to make some very tough decisions uh, about some of the, the design elements of our product. Uh, and at one point, we we had to – we were trying to kind of – it was an electronic component in, our, in one of our machines, and the design wasn't delivering what we needed it to. Mm. And we've had all this money that's sort of coming behind us to prototype this thing. The call was made to draw a line through it and scrap it. Mm. Um, now – Oh, that's a tough call. Oh, and that story to go and take back to investors and say, look, guys, we're going to need additional cash. We're going to have to start this thing again and do it properly. Um the self-doubt involved in that, because what happens if you do it again and the same thing happens? You know these these real issues like that you got to grapple with. But again, I think the the interesting nature of entrepreneurship and why it's quite seductive is that that process um, it, it's just about getting it done. Mm. You know, there's no bureaucracy, there's no mm. big corporate Titanic to change course with. Um, we made that decision, we got backing from from people who believed in us, and couple of months later we had managed to execute it and make the fixes we needed to, but those moments when no one's paying attention and we are grappling with those decisions are really really heavy going
0: mm, no no I, I certain I, a few years ago I started a non nonprofit organization non mm-hmm. nonprofit is a is a business it really is it just has a certain outcome a, a certain kind of way that you you deal with the, the cash flow and uh, I, I I can relate in many in many ways I can relate the uh, I'm interested in in and I really truly am personally interested in this idea you walk into the room and you how did those conversations go hi guys we've used all of your money mm. to do something that we have to put a red line through what was your experience of that
1: there's there's no easy way. You yeah. know, there's no way of dressing it up. But, uh, uh, it's, it's were they
0: disappointed? Did they? Did they frown at you? Did they? Um, or were they? Or were they unusually supportive? What, what was your experience?
1: Uh, these are s- smart people, mm. and I think they. We, we'd also, this is not something we walk into the room and just share out of the blue with. Them. Of course. The decision is something we've taken, but they've been sensitized to it over a period of time. They understand some of the challenges. I think that's important too. We are, we communicate openly and yep. regularly with Communication everyone who's is such involved. A big thing. Absolutely. So, so they weren't, the surprise was, was muted because we had already shared some of these issues. Um, that said, it's like ripping off the band-aid. The decision's made and you've just got to go. Um, and And I think the the interesting thing is once that decision 's taken, everyone understands there's a new reality a new set of challenges and you focus the everyone involved in solving that issue um, I think that 's also very important is once it 's recognized um, and the decision's taken you 've just got to go mm. um, there's there 's no point and and really business doesn 't wait around while you figure it out or think about these things once you you decide go and people galvanize behind you they 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 like that direction and that clarity, even though there are challenges.
0: Yeah, and and you've used two words that I like a lot: directional clarity. I mean, mm. if, if you can certainly give me directional clarity, I'll go and do. But it's the ambiguity that that people uh, they get into this like flux mode where mm. no one knows what to do, and that's where you do suffer. So the communication is so important.
1: And I think that's one of the one of the really important things about leading a business like this, a small business, is. The ambiguity lives with a small team. Mm. In, in our case, it's Kate and myself. And we figure these things out. By the time we're going to present it, be it to our investors or our team, we've got answers or suggestions or plans. We're not sharing these difficulties and, and just looking for you know for input. Um, and I think that's very important. There's got to be clarity about the way forward. Um, and then people buy in. They like that. It's, it's part of the inspiring side of entrepreneurship is the ability to just paint a picture And say right, that's where we're going, guys.
0: Yeah. What what do they say? I mean, just the the phrase: be sure about where you're going to be go, but flexible about how you're going to get there. I think that's what I'm hearing. Is exactly right. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I'm hearing you say here. Okay. So, so at one point, you do put a line through something, then uh, through a design that has cost you money, uh, but you now need to start again. At what point after that? So people have reinvested. At what point after that did you know actually we're onto something here? This is this is really really worthwhile pursuing and scaling because it's one thing to start something it's another Mm. thing to scale it
1: that's a that's a great question i i don't quite honestly know when that point in time came i think Mm. it it sort of creeps up on you um the maybe the best way to put it is we suddenly well there was a moment where we noticed that certain failures and issues that we were experiencing earlier on had just sort of tapered away Mm. i mean Bear in mind that that one challenge is one of about thirty different things we were oh, dealing yeah, with. It was, it was fairly core cool to what we do. But um, over time, we just noticed that those errors just drifted away. Um, we also designed the business to be, you know, to, to be iterative. Um, we could have tried to imagine every conceivable way that our, our device and our business plan would would break and that, that's called it.
0: analysis paralysis uh, or, exactly. or at least the roots of it but,
1: but you could never get there you'd never mm. figure it out so mm. our view was to get it out in the market let the market break it and tell us what they would like in return um, and and then change the design and upgrade um, as we went through so, so we did a lot of that and so as I say some of these fixes that we built in and we got backing on we, we just noticed at some point in time that these errors we had in the beginning had just gone. Mm. Um, but by then, we were already focusing on the next challenge and mm. the next issue that we've got to go and solve.
0: The, I, I, I'm, I'm interested now. I, I overheard you speaking off-air about the fact that you're now multinational. You're not just here in South Africa. Uh, the How did that come about? So I know that you've said there are areas in the world where people aren't getting access to really good drinking water. So let's just talk a little bit about the business now. Mm. Um, how did you get go from a small startup to, start-up to multinational in what seems like a short space of time. I mean, that's got to do with the model, right?
1: It has uh, two, two reasons. First of all, the idea that we're called a multinational is, is, uh, you know, it's quite funny to us in a way because we're still fighting it out every day as a small business, but but technically you're correct. We, we operate in a couple of countries already there. There are two main reasons for that. One is there's a a market need. Um, so we do work already in Zimbabwe where the the drinking water situation there is really bad and, Mm. you know, we can do good business and, and help people. Um, but as much as anything we've we haven't set up this business to be a really uh, easy or, or nice South African business this is set up to scale it's the only way I could get Kate to join um, is to build something that is that is truly global in its potential and its application mm. now part of going into other countries so we've piloted it up in Ghana we've piloted in Botswana is there's no point building a wonderful business and a great product that we know is going to work Fantastically in South Africa, and the moment you take it over the border, everything falls apart. And mm. You've got to rebuild. So we tested it early in additional countries and learned a huge amount about some of the challenges in those environments. Okay, so
0: and and that's important. I mean, you yeah. went early there. Yeah, uh, because I, I was sitting with a, a um, the sales director of a large multi I mean large international biggest inter, the biggest um, one of the biggest advertising. Um, outdoor advertising brands in the world mm-hmm. and they have they split their business there's a South African division and an African or SADIC business because the strategies are so very different you're saying that you've kind of put it together all in one uh, yes no
1: high level strategy yes mm. um, because the offering is identical mm. wherever we put it it's a very simple thing people mm. need affordable safe drinking water from convenient channels uh, the, the underlying business to provide that Is incredibly complicated And, and changes in new territories mm. And that's what we wanted to figure out and test um, And that, that was Really important because some of the things that we learned the, Just challenged all the Assumptions we went in with okay. and, and what that means is that when we are Better positioned, it will probably be sometime Next year, to more aggressively Grow into those markets We know exactly how to do it mm. um, and, and that's not going to stunt our growth That was the whole thinking behind it um, when, you, when you're ready to grow, you don't want to be solving small issues. You mm. want to know what those are so your growth is one thing you can focus on. Um,
0: uh, my, my question on the back of that, though, is how do you know when uh, – because you often get into these situations where – and we can simplify it by by saying people often say no and then you know that actually you're getting into good territory when people are, are pushing back on you and saying, no, this is not a good idea. I mean, you've heard the, these little truisms and sayings that, that people try and put – you know, to motivate entrepreneurs uh, in, in your particular case, how do you know at what point to change the assumption, to change the position that you have, uh, that you hold and, and then take on that new information rather than stay, stick to it, stick to your assumption because you, you in your core feel like it's right. How, how, what's the point at which you actually change? That's a, that's a
1: great question. It's a tricky one to answer because again, um, A lot of this, I think, happens progressively. Mm -hmm. Um, There are very few occasions where there is just absolute clarity about making a decision. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it it happens all the time. I mean, there's only way I can put it. The the number of times we have to adjust or modify um, elements of our business, uh, it's probably every few weeks we have to really challenge one of these assumptions. We've we've had to um, add various parts and products to our business mix to address signals from the market. Um, but the the challenge you described, so if the market comes back to us and says, look, I just don't want what you have. Mm. We've, we've yet to encounter that. Mm. Um, where they've come back. They've said, we may not, not like this in its current form. So if you change this, there is a market and that's a signal to us to make that decision. Is this opportunity real enough for us to make that change? Or uh, it, do we, do we simply walk away and focus on something else.
0: And that's on the back of a conversation which says, try it out. We're going to pilot it here with you. Give us feedback. That's not just a case of place it and then hope that they give you feedback. This is a a relationship.
1: Uh, Absolutely. Mm. The the value in getting something into the market is... It's indescribable. The market knows better than you ever will sitting in an office. Mm. I, we, we come from a, a business school background, my wife and I, and our favorite saying from our business professor was, if you're not embarrassed by your first commercial prototype, you didn't get it into the market quickly enough. Oh, wow. Um, and he's absolutely spot on. Mm, um, that's very good. You, you'll never figure out what it is. Get it out there. The market will tell you what you haven't thought of.
0: I like that, uh, that idea of embarrassment.
1: Absolutely, yeah.
0: We are running out of time. We've got a couple of minutes left here. I just want to fire off some, some quick questions to you. Let's get some answers. Uh, the, the, the current book you are reading that you feel all entrepreneurs should be reading? The book called Grit. Grit. Yeah. Okay, very nice. Um, the best advice you've ever received? Wow. Wow. Uh, I well, think the
1: best answer to a question I've ever asked was my wife saying yes when I asked her to marry me. <laughs> okay.
0: well, we'll take that. Yeah. What's the worst advice you've ever received?
1: Uh, this is going to be around, around career advice. Mm. Um, basically, you know, uh, well, as, as I was leaving consulting, um, I was getting a whole lot of consulting advice saying, you know your career in this business is established. Here mm. is your portion of the bonus pool. What are you doing? Mm. Um, and I think that advice was uh, was well ignored. Mm. Um, seeing where I am now.
0: well, well done on that. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, we have run out of time james steer co founder um and Sort of boss <laughs> of I drop Water. Thank you for being here. I, I know that the, the the market is recognizing you. Uh, other businesses are recognizing you. You're an SAB Innovation uh, SAB Foundation Innovation Award winner. Is that correct? That's correct. Yes. Thank Congratulations. Thank we're, you we're, and we hope to be able to have you back here in studio, um, looking at back at this conversation and saying that was a great conversation look, look at where we are now thank you so very much for really joining
1: us looking forward to that Gary thank you so much
0: alright we're going to be back after the break we are going to be then talking l d the development of learning and development and some incredible innovations digital innovations that are helping everyone if you, if you read anything on the internet you can you can get recognized for that we're going to be speaking about that right after this break <laughs> Future CEOs on cliffcentral.com. This is cliffcentral.com.